2: Good Monday, Jay Sandoz, Keith Brake. We're talking Hello. a lot of stuff: football, hey, uh, basketball,
0: yeah,
2: baseball.
1: Yep.
2: Is there anything else?
0: Life. Life. Unsolicited life advice. Mm, That should be a segment.
1: hmm. hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm Things that I would do. No, that probably should not be a. Segment. Things that I wouldn't do. Yes. The gray
0: area in which people should live their lives. It's like, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. Also, don't do anything that I would do. There's a gray area in there, Mm -hmm. and that's where you operate. Okay. Tony Stark to Peter Parker. Is that uh, uh, Spider-Man? Yes, Peter Parker is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Spider-Man. The most popular superhero in the world. I can see that. I can too. Yeah, it, Spider Man's great. Unfortunately, now uh, because Spider Man is the most popular superhero in the world, everybody is trying to make their superheroes like Spider Man, mm. and it doesn't really land the same way. I think my superhero is Shaggy. That would be the guy. That would Shaggy be. from Scooby Doo, or yeah. Shaggy like the "Oh, Mister and Buster"? That Shaggy?
2: Uh, definitely not the singer. No? no. 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 Okay. The Scooby, Scooby character.
0: Zoinks! <sighs> all right, let's see. It was a long weekend. Yeah. Uh, your Saturday was extremely long. Yes. Marlena Rogers and I on the call for uh, – I got out of there about 9.15 on Saturday night. It was a long, long night. I'm still feeling it a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, but I did get all day yesterday off, and it didn't rain. So I got to go outside briefly. That was okay. It actually wasn't a terrible experience. So uh, I'm not super mad about having a Sunday to just rest because you need it after that doubleheader. Yeah, that's, that's the fun. one thing about the doubleheader I'll say. Like in the moment,
2: it stinks. Like You're very- like,
0: oh, my God, what a slog. Blah, blah. Guess I'll go to the ballpark for nine hours today. But also you get to go to a baseball park for nine hours. That could be – there are worse things you could do. True. There, You could you could be going to a ballpark for nine hours in the rain.
2: Mm, you could be driving to Knoxville uh, to have your 7-year-old play in a 10-and-under soccer tournament and just get browbeaten like 10-1, 9-2. Could have been like 25-1. So I do give teams credit for it. Going off the dog. Eventually, they just but, start with like just kick the ball back. Yeah, yeah, just, just, kick it just back, you know, it just possessed. see how long you can possess it before the little seven-year-olds, a uh, couple eight-year-olds could, could maybe steal the ball. Yeah. So I did. I did. But while well, that every, was going with on, with every
0: connected pass, you have to shout "Ole" as well. Uh, that would have been entertaining. Ole, ole, ole. We like string like five, six, seven together. You start going ole, ole, ole. So I ended up uh, watching
2: baseball uh, yeah. because, you know, the soccer was a, a little bit lacking. Although although uh, Rhett did score a couple goals against yeah, the 10 so he felt baseball, pretty good about that.
0: The baseball was not boring. I'll give it that. The first game was a little bit long, but the, the games were not dull by any stretch of the imagination. They were very entertaining. A, a 14-13 win for ETSU in Game 1 of the doubleheader. Uh, that even the series after they lost the first game twelve to ten Western Carolina had the tying run at second and the go ahead run at first with two outs and then ETSU won the second game eight to one sorry okay eight, eight, no yeah, oh, okay. i still feeling still reeling from the doubleheader oh. eight to one uh, was the final of the second game Nathaniel Tate who we'll hear from in a little bit Nate Tate was uh, at excellent eight innings. Ten strikeouts, two hits, one run, did give up six walks, but um also the he, he got the the case of the vanishing corners. You know, Nate the Great in the case of the disappearing corners of the strike zone uh on Saturday. So um <clears throat> just seemed to be very intermittent. And yeah. Uh overall I thought he was thought it was pretty good. ETSU's pitching depth um certainly I, I don't know that it was tested. I think it's a cause for concern still. Uh, but Tate is obviously very good. You know, Emoner can be really good for four innings. Smitty can be really good for four to five innings. You know, what does Stewart give you on a given weekend? What does McCarley give you on a given weekend? Uh, those guys are going to be important. And then Andrew Ronnie threw a weekend for the first time uh, in a little bit. Uh, I think he threw against Mercer and he got tagged for a big number, but he uh, she get a nap. He, an looked, good. he mm-hmm. looked good. He looked good. Three strikeouts in the ninth uh, came in. Big, tall, right-hander looking like he did last year out of the bullpen for Joe Panucci's group.
2: You know what we should do? What should we do, Jay? Should we talk to Nate Tate?
0: We should. I think we should talk to Nate Tate.
2: Oh, do I love baseball season? Don't you? And I love it when Keith does the long doubleheaders and not me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a long haul. It was a long haul on Saturday. I think you're
2: built for doubleheaders. I
0: it was I it was not the only person for whom it was a long haul. Uh it was uh, well we, we just heard from several people. It's like, man, those two nines is a long day at the ballpark, just in general. But when you throw hundred uh, and thirty odd pitches over eight innings, um that that's also a long haul. That's a long day. That's what that's what uh Nate Tate did on Saturday to win the series for ETSU.
2: And he had to sit through how long was the first game?
0: Uh first game was a little I think it was 3:40 3... something like that. 3:25 I want to say. Oh yeah, that's a little... Yeah. That's
2: brutal. Uh, one thing I want to say real quick is, boy, am I glad that college baseball, for the most part, has gone away from doubleheaders and try to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes weather changes; we get that. That's one thing. But uh, boy, there was a time where it was guaranteed.
0: The the I'll irony it. of it is that the weather stalled out, so we didn't need to. But also, um, I loved. We, we we haven't really played a lot of games at the Tom at night this year i loved playing under the lights calling a game under the lights it had a different atmosphere to it it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it it felt like i was at wrigley field in what was it 1986 when they first played a a night game something like that it was 86 i think It felt like it kind of felt like that like it felt like i was just like wow this is really rare and precious and unique and i'm enjoying this and um, i certainly enjoyed uh watching our guest shove it on western carolina for eight innings uh 10 strikeouts one run was it two hits I think it was two hits
1: yeah it was two hits yeah uh, I did give up a solo home run though a little upset about yeah that,
0: well it's, it's like
1: field goal those don't beat you
0: uh Nathaniel Tate Nate Tate uh is uh, our guest pitcher for ETSU baseball and Nate man I guess first of all you're two days removed uh I'm amazed that your arm isn't like cryogenically frozen after that marathon
1: on Saturday how you feeling? uh i i feel pretty good you know I, I don't really uh i don't get a lot of soreness in my uh in my arm or really my body in general it's kind of one of the weirder things i've ever felt if you want know, to be honest with you uh i don't really have a uh, knock on wood never had really any arm injuries or anything like that but uh no i feel good a couple of days out you know usually i get a about a a day's worth of non soreness and then about the second day off, I get a little sore after that. But, no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, you know. I, I just like to throw the ball. Uh, well, you certainly
0: were throwing it really well. Um, what, what was working for you? Because deep into that game against Western Carolina, you know, normally when a pitcher starts to get tired and, you know, third pass through the order, you're starting to pick up on the tendencies. I think you even got a crack at a fourth pass through. Uh, those guys were still swinging and missing at your stuff. What was working for you?
1: Uh, I mean, I just thought I commanded uh, multiple pitches in the zone, you know, and that's that's really going to throw a lot of people off because I'm mainly a, a fastball slider guy, and when you can land a changeup in there and you start throwing a sinker in there, you know, it really starts to, to get under people's skin, you know, because at some point you're like, well, is he going to lead off with this, or is he going to go back to this, or what is he going to do here, and I mean... I just think, like I said, throwing multiple pitches in the zone, it really likes to keep people off, you know, and the command was there. Uh, for the most part, uh, I did walk six people, though. That's my, yeah. my big downfall. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think just throwing strikes, uh, getting ahead and just really trying to get people out uh, as much as I could, you know.
2: Like a lot of college pitchers, you, you make the transition, right? You come in, obviously – most people that come in, you're a starter in high school, all that. You come in, though, it's hard to get in a rotation, so you got to come out of the bullpen. Got some saves and you have the weird COVID year. Then you're still a little bit out of the bullpen. Then you got to transition into starter. Just talk about transitioning in college, kind of learning college baseball and coming out of the pen the first couple of seasons to then transition into probably more what you wanted to be, which was a starter.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I had some success early in my career coming out of the pen uh, just because I felt like I was relatively new and – I, I kind of got the mentality of I'm the best guy on the field at all times, and I think that's a good a good closer mentality. And just the success I had, you know, it's just coming right at people, you know. Like people didn't really see me that much, hadn't really seen me at all, and we didn't really have a dignified closer role. Uh, so I kind of just stepped up and I did what I was supposed to do in my situations. Uh, I worked for my opportunities, and then uh, the COVID year happened. kind of shut us all down Uh, we were starting off really hot and kind of sad about that when our basketball team was good that year too but uh, it kind of shut us down and then we got back and uh, I think that's when we started playing double headers on Saturdays and that's when I first really got into starting and it's just kind of a, a flip of the switch you know like it's the mentality of it is yeah I'm still the best on the field but now I can't come out here and Throw it 125% for an inning, two innings. You know, like I got to stretch it out. I got to worry about throwing strikes. You know, not walking people, trying to really limit myself and conserve energy. But I- I'd say like the process was a fun one. You know, like it's always fun when you're changing roles in your sport. And obviously, I want to do what I can to help the team out. So like, if I need to close, I close. If I got to throw one inning for the rest of the entire year, if that means we're winning every game. I'll do it.
2: So you kind of you know, but also like you stay on your toes because you're not sure reliever. Am I going to pitch two days in a row? Am I needed today? Am I not needed today? Whereas obviously as a starter, at least in college baseball, generally speaking, you're going to throw that one day and you get a kind of build up to that start that you get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, coming out of the pen, it's uh, it's a lot about just being prepared to go in at any point in time. You know, because coming out of the bullpen for relief, you know, like you could come in and. The second third inning of a big blowout game or you could come in in the ninth on back-to-back days and uh i think that's a, a mental challenge for a lot of people is just knowing that okay i went yesterday i might not be 100 percent today but let's find my new 100 percent for today and then on the starting side of it uh it's kind of the same you know like um yeah you do have the same set schedule but you are going to be playing different people but it does allow you to get a full week's worth of, okay, I can do this, this, and this on this day when I feel this way and uh, other situations like that. But I, I like to start. You know, it's it gives me a set path, and I work with Coach Benzino all the time and our other pitchers about uh, how we manage our workload and things like that. How do you manage your way through
0: a long start? Because you've, you've gone over 100 pitches a couple starts in a row now, and you have obviously went well over on Saturday. And I feel like there's such a desire in, and you hear about this all the time in Major League Baseball, everybody wants to throw everything max effort because it's so much harder to hit. But also you wear your arm out faster and your starters are suddenly, you know, four and duck in the regular season game and you're going to the pen in the fifth inning. And uh, it can be really, really tough to, to put games together that way. So how do you manage yourself and pick your spots when to throw at the absolute hardest you can um, so that you can go deep into a game, into the seventh, into the eighth?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I'd like to thank God he gave me a an absolute rubber band for an arm. You know, I might not, I might not be the hardest thrower, but uh, I think there's, uh, like you said, there certainly are times when you need to be max effort as a starter. You know, when you get somebody down 1-2 and you need to blow a ball by a guy, or when you got somebody 3-2 and they've been fouling a couple pitches off, you know, and you need to really make a a nasty breaking ball off the plate or or throw a changeup or something like that. But I'd say, like, kind of earlier in the counts, earlier during the game, I like to conserve energy because I'm just trying to get soft contact early in the game because the softer the contact you get earlier in the game, the less pitches you throw and the longer you get to go during games. So, I mean, that seems to be the key to success.
2: Well, Nate, let's talk a little bit about the journey uh, and backtrack because I'm always enthralled with our athletes and, you know, how – they got to where they are and, and particularly come at ETSU. But before that, you went to Coffee County High School, and there's a, a guy that I'm real familiar with that was a high school basketball coach, a 1,000-point scorer, Michael Williams, and I know that you know him fairly well.
1: Uh, yeah, me and uh, me and Micah go way back. Uh, I wasn't really a basketball player in uh... – in high school i i can't shoot to save my life i just i can run up and down the court and i'll dive after some loose balls but uh no i I think mike is a great guy and uh i i've learned a lot from micah just as him coming to etsu you know i've talked to him about how his time was here and what he did and how it helped him after uh college but no in, in high school micah micah was a different animal you know he was around 30 years old, windmilling on people's heads in basketball practice, and everybody's just watching off to the side like, oh, he's, he's still got it. You know, the young bucks might try to go at him, but he's still got it.
2: Well, let's talk about, you know, baseball, and you, you obviously were pretty good and people were recruiting you. Eventually you eventually decided on ETSU. What was the, the factors that led you here to Johnson City?
1: Uh, I think a lot of it was I just really liked the environment. You know, I'm from Manchester, which is sort of a, a really small town out in middle Tennessee, and this has got the, the small town home feel, you know. Like there's not mountains where I'm from, but I do like to go outside, get a good hike in every now and then. I like to see some views, and uh, I mean, just outside of that, like I I like the coaching staff when I got here. You know, they wanted to put me in every opportunity I could to get better and to make myself better, and then surround really everybody with a good group of talent. And I I kind of saw the class coming in. As I was coming in, and we had we really had some upside. And I mean, there's only three of us here now. But uh, back to high school, I thought uh, that it was it was a pretty wild journey. You know, like I'm being from Manchester; it's pretty small. Uh, I didn't really get that much uh, attention coming out of high school. And I'm not saying I deserved any sort of attention. You know, I worked for what I've gotten so far, and I'm blessed to have that. But I'd say it's uh it's pretty tough. You know, coming from like a small place. But if you're a dog, you're going to get seen. So, really, no matter what you do or where you go, you'll probably get seen eventually by somebody. And I just happened to get seen by, uh, I think, uh, Skyler, uh, our old catching coach that used to be here. He either Barnett, was, Skyler yeah, Barnett, Skyler right? Barnett. Yeah, he, uh, Skyler Barnett. He saw me as a catcher, and he recruited me. And then about two days later, Coach Posey slid down and watched me for a start. And uh, it's all downhill from there.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, sometimes all it takes is is an opportunity. And college baseball is great for that. You know, you know, there's only 11.7 scholarships to go around. So, I mean, it's a little bit different from college football. It's a little bit different from college basketball. Um, and and guys who um, are given opportunities to earn something will get that by the end of their career. How valuable do you think that is just to the culture of a program where you got a bunch of guys from small towns that are just about, hey, we're taking the opportunity that's given to us to, to showcase our talents at the highest level we can, and and that's what college baseball offers to so many people.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a great opportunity for uh, a lot of people. You know, there's not a lot of people that really ever get to be in this opportunity to, to really play uh a college sport at all you know so like you said it is it's such a blessing to have and I, I think like when you get a a group of people that are all pulling in the same direction you know regardless of where they're from or who they are when you get everybody working the same direction you know it's like it's like putting WD-40 on a, a squeaky bolt you know like it's eventually gonna stop squeaking and it's gonna start doing what it's supposed to do and I, I think that uh, we've worked together Uh, very well you know uh, whether we're from small towns we got people from California Colorado New Jersey Florida I mean we're really from all over the place and we kind of just came together and kind of bonded with each other uh, throughout the year and throughout uh, the years that I've been here you know I've made some of the best friends uh, that I'll have my entire life
0: speaking of squeaky bolts um, you you still have your first car is that right
1: I do actually have my first car. It's a 1999 Jeep Cherokee. It's got about 308,000 miles on it, and she's still kicking. How much pride do you take in keeping that thing going? Oh man, that that thing's been run into trees, almost been rolled before. It's it's been through a lot, but I I, I take a sense of pride just because it was my first car, you know, and it, it's never let me down. I, I've been through a lot in that. I've seen some some heartbreaks in high school, and I've seen some. Super highs in high school, so it it's been with me for a long time, and I, I hope to keep it as long as I can. I,
0: I love uh, that my generation and now your generation as well, because we are there's a little bit of a gap. Um, we're now experiencing the "they don't make them like they used to" mindset that our four our forebears did. Um, because we, you and I were talking about this before the interview, we both love the older boxy body styles of, of older, like late eighties, early nineties and into the mid and late nineties jeeps. So hanging on to that is really something that's just like, I just like looking at it. I like driving it, but I like looking at it too.
1: No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge car nut and, uh, you can ask me a lot about of a lot of, a lot of cars and I could probably tell you a lot about them, but I mean, like you said, they don't make them like they used to, you, you don't roll down the street and see a 69 z28 rolling down the street without double taking at it you know but you can see a a camry today and you just look at it and you're like ah just another camry on the road
0: yeah i have been looking at the supers though As like if i see one more of those dang things i'm going to go buy one like those those are those are nice like some of the nice newer cars are are nice but what's your what's your dream car can be old can be new what's your dream car
1: Uh, my dream car, uh, well right now I actually have my dream car, I have, uh, uh, I think it's a 74 Ford Bronco, uh, it's, it's in the process of getting restored right now, uh, it was my grandpa's before he passed away and then he kind of passed it down to me and, uh, I kind of take pride in that being my, my favorite car ever, I'll probably never ever get rid of that, but, uh, outside of a car that I own, my favorite car, probably a 1963 split window Coupe Corvette. Ooh. I uh, made them for one year and they're kind of hard to see out of cuz you got a big old metal bar sticking in the middle of your back window but once you get in it it's just it's smooth sailing and I just fell in love with it
0: instantly my dad's favorite ETSU athlete right here <laughs> he was a big car guy too yeah 69 Chevelle supersport i love those just give me a nice like cherry red with the black racing stripes down the middle of the right. hood that was that's that's correct or you could do white racing stripes too i guess would work but uh either way just it's got a that those those classic late sixties early seventies muscle cars, man. They don't turn like like anything. It's like driving a brick. But when you get it going fast, it goes fast. It's fun. Those are fun.
2: Let's talk about another fun thing. Uh, you've been with Coach uh, Panucci now what five years now? Yeah, really? have you?
0: Have you? I was going to ask have you picked up any metal from Joe Panucci. Like he's a big
1: metalhead. Uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of. Uh of musical artists and uh we'll just be out in the, the field and there'll just be some random rock songs going on and he'll just come up and he'll go, Hey, you uh you know who this is right here? I'm like, Yeah, coach, it's on the tip of my tongue. I've heard I've heard it before. I know who they are. I'm just trying to think about it and he's like, Ah, you better not get it wrong. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've picked up a lot off of Coach Panucci. You know, I've I've been with him for five years, and uh, I can proudly say that guy's gone to bat for me more than uh, a lot of people in my life. You know, uh, I just from top to bottoms, from the the good days to the bad days. You know, I can always call on uh, Coach Panucci to come, and he's he'll give me the blatant truth. But uh, at the same time, he'll he'll work a plan with me, and uh, he'll work a plan with you and. And really work on yourself and try to better yourself he's big on uh baseball translates to life more than just on the field you know like taking care of your business uh being where you are when you need to be there uh just taking care of your responsibilities and stuff like that because you can't go through life uh, with having zero responsibilities or not doing your work on time or not showing up to work or showing up late you know like you can't keep a job like that and he, he's big on developing us as human beings and baseball players uh, at the same time.
2: Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, eventually, you know, you're going to stop playing ball at some point. What is uh, life after sports?
1: Uh, well, or is it still in sports? I'm hoping to uh, still stay in sports. You know, I want to play baseball as long as I can. But uh, I think what I'm going to go home and do is uh, I'm going to go home, uh, open up a car mechanic shop one day. Uh, I'd really love to do that, but uh, as of right now, uh, I don't have a 150% set plan because I'm, I'm fully selling out on baseball right now. You know, It's my, my dream to do, and it's my passion, but uh, if it doesn't happen, I'll probably just go home, work on cars, you know, save up a little cash, open me up a shop, and then start taking my teammates as customers, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, it's been an up-and-down year for this group. Um, And you are somebody who is, uh, you pride yourself on good vibes. I mean, your walkout song is The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Um, It's just, you know, it's kind of like just a breezy, good vibe summer song. Um, How challenging can it be to keep the vibes positive in in, in a year where, you know, you, you feels like you're starting to win a couple games, get some traction, and then suddenly, you know, you hit a series where team goes off, run into some hot bats, lose a couple upside of games, and then you're back up. And then you're back down over and over again. How do you keep a uh, keep a good positive vibe through all of that?
1: Uh, you know, I, I would say it's just trying to come to the field and and keep yourself and your teammates level-headed at all times. You know, because like you said, like you're never going to have just a straight-up climb uh, when it comes to your sport. And if you do, I applaud you because I've never seen it before. Uh, there's there's always ups and downs, and I, I think for us, like the biggest thing is is coming in and not putting the blame on everybody else you know like when times get tough it's super easy to say oh well this is why this happened or this person did this or the umpire screwed us over or somebody's not doing their job or something like that and it's super easy to put the blame on other people but I think when you take the yourself into account and you really uh, take a deep dive down into yourself you'll kind of realize like once I I figure out what my role is and how I need to do my job the best that I can, you know, then you can start worrying about being accountable for other people and being accountable uh, for the coaches and everybody, really. I mean, it's a very open – I think we have a very open team. Our coaching staff is very approachable. And if we do have problems or anything like that, we can go have a discussion about it and then work something out. But, uh, no, like this year, yeah, it's been uh, very up and down. And uh, the hardest part has been not blaming anybody else, you know, because – Sometimes you got people that don't play when they think they should be playing or people that don't play and somebody else is struggling or when people are not getting as many ABs or people are playing and struggling, you know. Like I think the, the hardest part is just keeping ourselves together and keeping that level head. And I try to just uh, come in and, and be happy, you know. Like I tell the truth anytime I talk to anybody. So I think it's a lot of uh, just trying to maintain happiness and maintain that level-headed level headed uh level through because you're gonna have your up and down days like we talked about earlier but I, i think it's just us together as a squad and coming together and just realizing hey like this isn't who we are like we're better than this we need to start coming together trusting each other looking at really the guys next to you and saying i'm playing for you guys not for me but for the the guy that's on the bench or the starting right fielder or the starting catcher or, or just all those situations, you know, and it's just coming together and everybody wanting to pull in the same direction.
0: What do you want to take away from the experience this weekend? You guys are going to Stillwater to play a pretty good Oklahoma state team.
1: Uh, I, I think the biggest thing I want to take away from this is uh, it's really going to show us, you know, like how we're going to stack up with a, a top 25 team in a weekend series. Uh, we haven't really played that many top 25 weekend series. If, if, honestly any outside of baylor i don't know if baylor was ranked last year but uh i think just kind of showing that we can compete with these bigger schools regardless of what our size is because we believe in ourselves and we know that we have the talent and we're just we got to put the talent together uh along with the processes and the work that we do during the during the season and that we've done in the off season but uh no, nah, I'm I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, no, nah, uh, I think uh, just seeing how we stack up with a top 25 team, you know, uh, I think we have a good chance to make a strong push going into the tournament, and if we win the tournament, then we're going to be put in a weekend series with a big team like that, uh, a good team like uh, Oklahoma State, and it's just really seeing, you know, we can compete with these guys, whether it be close games or we went on a couple blowouts, I don't know, I hope, but uh, no, nah, just, just seeing how we stack up against uh, some better teams, and that's just really what I think about it.
2: Well, Nate, man, we appreciate you stopping by. It's a good conversation. You were a little nervous about this. How do you think it went?
1: Uh, I, I thought it went pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm uh, not really one to get that nervous, but this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast, and uh, I like it a lot. I think I might have to open up my own podcast and talk about everything that comes in my brain. At all times.
0: There is definitely a, a fountain of wisdom in the mind of Nate Tate, ETSU baseball pitcher. Nate, great to see you, man. Thanks so much for your time. and uh, Travel safe. Good luck this weekend.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I just want to give a shout-out to, uh, to all the boys, though. The beans are boiling. The beans are boiling. All right. he's He said it.
2: Be- beans are boiling. I hope you know what that the is. The boys are
0: hot. Oh, okay. The boys are hot. They've won. The boys are hot. Yes. Okay. Now what I it. What is get it now that they've won? Um... Is it's... Another series? Or are you well, talking about... Other I, to do, I was trying to do math, and that was bad. Five of their last six. They won five of their last six. Because they won the last two against uh, El Cid, and they beat Radford in the midweek, and then they won two out of three against the Cats. So, that's five of their last six. And, uh going to go up to App State. So having
2: a pretty decent year on mm-hmm. Tuesday tomorrow, and then uh, a huge road
0: series in Stillwater. I'll tell you what, man. What I love seeing... We got a little, like a nascent tailgate environment going at ETSU Baseball. And I don't know if it's just parents or if it's like friends at the program, What what's going on there. But there's a little bit of, you know, like there's there's an atmosphere to the parking lot now with a little bit of that. And hey, if you can get that going and you give people a reason to come out, it's like, hey, come out to the park. Um, You know, I believe uh, we we sell adult beverages now at the park in a limited number. Uh, but we, you you can get some of those too inside the park. Um, you can chill out on a sunny day, hot day, cool day, watch some baseball, uh, and just you know, baseball is all about it's it it's the sport that is most predicated on vibes, right? Basketball uh, is about the product on the floor. Football is about the product on the field baseball is about the vibe of the stadium, the vibe of the the people around it. Like it's all about just taking in the atmosphere of the game. If the product is great, it's great. If the product is sloppy, it's fine, as long as the vibes are good. You know what else is good? Uh, cookies. Comic books. Uh... About Cookie Monster? I don't. Cookie Monster comics? Portal update. Portal watch! No. Okay. Uh, I like. Y- you had way better ideas than I did. I was. Some people think it's a good thing, and some people very much don't. Well, some people just like to be updated. That's true. Some people just like to stay current. Um, we will do our level best to remain current and to uh, uh, uh to bring you to current. We will get you through to current. You will read through to current. I feel like I'm drowning under a current. Yeah. I I, I am also being uh, pulled under by the current. So, we've got a couple different things. Do we want to go football or basketball? Let's do basketball first. I'll All right. Let talk. Let's, let's, let's do basketball. Because the- you have basketball and I have football.
2: Yeah. So, the one... Going uh, from a school to a SOCON school is Garrett Hicks from Alabama A&M, a point guard, is going to Samford. He averaged uh, right at 13 points, four rebounds, had about, I think it was 53 assists, had 43 turnovers, almost one-to-one. And with Quez Glover still out there, they needed a point guard as Quez is still in the portal. And so uh, I guess that's going to, for Bucky Ball, uh, Bucky McMillan, there's at least going to have somebody. Uh, That can play the point because Bubba Parham also uh, utilized his fifth year COVID year of eligibility last year, so he is not there. Now, that was the only incoming from another school to a SOCON. There were several SOCON players that finally found a home. VMI Ricky Bradley Jr. goes to Georgia State. South Carolina lands another Southern Conference player. Lamont Paris uh, sticks with, I guess, what he knows. He gets B.J. Mack from Wofford to move just down the road about an hour to Columbia. So B.J. Mack, the third, I believe, SoCon in two years to go there. Um, Stephen Clark uh, is there and coming with B.J. Mack as well. Um, There were – Citadel had a couple find some homes. Uh, Kalen Mankin goes to Tennessee, although it's noted he is just going to be a walk-on there. And Jackson Price leaves the Citadel to go to Marist. And then last but not least on the basketball front, it was Jordan, really, goes to uh, or goes from Sanford. He will go to Northern Colorado. So, players in the portal still per school. Chattanooga still has two. ETSU, six, still trying to find a new home. Yeah, what's Jalen Haynes I, up to? What's again, I, I usually talk to the guys in the hallway, as I've
0: said. I've still not, you've seen him. I've not seen him. I saw him. I've seen him around a couple of times, just, you know. Sitting sitting on a park sitting on a park bench, da, 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 da. Uh he's just kind of been hanging out finishing up school. But uh, I, I haven't I haven't talked to him. I, I have not either. So
2: I honestly do not know. Uh he's the one obviously I think Buck fans are most interested in. Four Mercer Bears still in, three Sanford Bulldogs, including we mentioned Quez Glover, the Citadel's got four still in. Western Carolina's got 2 wofford Wafford's got three. VMI's got two. Um VMI actually has uh, five guys committed, three transferred um, to Division One schools. Um, as we mentioned, so VMI, uh, Ricky Bradley Jr. goes to Georgia State. Uh, I think it was one went to Delaware, and then Con, uh, uh, Sean Conway went to St. John's. And so uh, maybe it was Hauser. Hauser went to Delaware. So VMI had some go up, some go down, but there's still plenty. Again, out of the count today. A little over 1640 and some change, 1640 like two or three. There are 900 plus still in the portal. 900 plus. So again, the greener pasture. We're gonna do whatever. It's it it's a little tough. So that is basketball um, in a nutshell. Uh, before we get on to the football porter portal, it was NFL draft weekend. Nobody from me you to get drafted, but Jacob Sailors did sign. Signed the. Uh, free agent contract got a ten thousand dollars sign on bonus to go with Cincinnati. I am very enthusiastic about our newest donor, Jacob Sailors. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Giovanni uh, Bernard uh, retired. They're looking for a little bit of that all-purpose back, so he's going to be given a shot. Plus, mm-hmm. Jacob has played on special teams and proven that he can make tackles yep. and things. I and mean, so. you're
0: you're not the guy. You're backing up Joe Mixon, right? Pretty definitively with uh, that Cincinnati group. But you get to play in an exciting offense and. Maybe a chance for uh, Jacob to show off some pass catching fides as well out of the backfield. So Jacob goes there. Nate Atkins,
2: uh, you know, spent last year as a grad transfer at South Carolina. Signs with Denver, and then I, I don't know if we mentioned not, but Tyree Robinson uh, with the Michigan Panthers of
0: the USFL. We mentioned that one, I think we yeah. did. Okay,
2: just making sure. I yeah, know we Sear, talked about the
0: seer player is with the Pittsburgh Maulers right now. Yeah.
2: So yeah. Talk... all right. So catching up on former Bucks. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the portal. In the Southern Conference, uh, more former Bucks. More former Bucks. I know at least uh, a few have landed.
0: Yes, a few have landed, but uh, ETSU this cycle, according to the the list at Redshirt Sports, has had. Uh, are you ready for this? Twenty six players in the portal for ETSU. Now that does not include Tyler Rydell, who entered his name? Actually, no. I'm sorry. It does include Rydell because he entered his name and then withdrew. And Will Huzzy is included as well. Um, but yes, and, and a number of these players have committed to places. Elijah Huzzy, of course, is at North Carolina. Blake Austin's at Troy. Um, and, and there will be at the. And
2: Tavon Matthews is at Troy, I believe. Yes, a, he's also at Troy. Had a
0: uh, ACL injury, is going to take him out for the year. Yeah, Tyler Keltner's at Florida State. Um, yeah. So uh, and Zion Alexander is also at Troy so uh quinn smith i think ended up at Finlay. finley yeah it was a d2 yeah um notables in the portal for this spring eric campbell uh linebacker for etsu uh in the portal uh devin brantley davion hood i want to make sure i'm not missing anybody as i go down through the list here isaiah wilson who landed at richmond who yeah, is now committed to richmond um Steven Scott. Steven Yeah, I'm, I'm getting uh, Oh, you're going alphabetical. Yeah, going alphabetical. It's alphabetical by first name. Figure that out. Uh Steven Scott is in the portal as well. Um, those are kind of the that's that's kind of the big ones. But it's a total of twenty-six across the entire cycle. A couple of those players have withdrawn from the portal and are staying here. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. So it's out of the
2: lot. two deep, uh, offensively, the 22, two deep, and this does include some graduation, um, 15 players back from last year's two deep on offense. But now on defense, you're talking about seven. Yes. Seven defensive Well,
0: players. remember we, we talked to, I talked to George Quarles, uh, before the spring game and he said, yeah, we're probably looking at a D lineman inside backer, outside backer, and maybe a couple corners. Well, after that, you had two defensive linemen that were going to be in your rotation that left. You had an inside linebacker that was your mic that's gone. Uh, you lost uh, DeAndre Davis, I believe, is also... A three-year starter at the outside the linebacker. Yeah, yep. DeAndre Davis. yeah, yep. veteran starter. Um, you know, maybe not the, the flashiest playmaker, but still some semblance of continuity. I mean, your defense is basically Max Evans, Sheldon Arnold, Chris Hope... And eight dudes that have not played very much at all for this defense if they've played at all. And some of them a lot of them probably aren't even on the roster.
2: I mean, you're talking very sparingly for Javon Henderson, who's projected to be the starting corner.
0: Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to play. He's gonna I mean, they, they don't have a choice.
2: Tonquez uh, I mean Ton- uh, ball's gonna probably have to be thrown in to do they still got Odemegwu. You're looking at um uh, a situation where where does Zach West play? Originally, they wanted to put him back on the outside. Now he's probably right the second of play inside linebacker. They
0: don't have a choice.
2: Cameron Garnett was a running back up until about three weeks ago in the season last year, and is listed as a linebacker the last three games. And now currently, he would be a starter who saw very limited action. So yep. uh, the portal has certainly taketh, and it's just a matter of time to see what it giveth.
0: Yes, and uh, I think ETSU realistically probably has about eight weeks to get those guys lined up and get them in here and uh, really would like to have that done in less time than that, if at all possible. Um, elsewhere, you know, obviously the only other schools that have had significant other departures are VMI in Western Carolina. Um, VMI, I mean, just kind of hit the highlights from everybody. Alderick Mallory committed to Ball State. Uh, Eric Weaver to Kent State. Jerry Rice, the kicker, went to East Carolina. Seth Morgan went to Division II Shepard, which has put together a really good program uh, in a very short amount of time. And Stone Snyder is committed to Virginia. At Western Carolina, Carlos Davis, the quarterback, who lost that uh, kind of duel in the, uh, in, the in that starting uh, role uh, battle. Uh, he committed to UMass. Raphael Williams, the wide receiver, went to San Diego State. Still in the portal. I could not find anything on Terrence Horn, Timothy Jamison, uh, Toler Keely, or their kicker, Richard McCollum, uh, who entered the portal last fall, but I have not seen anything uh, confirming that he withdrew or that he committed somewhere. Uh, Wafford, offensive lineman Al Hogan ended up at Kennesaw State, Irvin Mulligan's at Jacksonville, or I'm sorry, Jackson State, uh, Landon Parker's at Troy, Miles Richardson at Austin P. Tahir Anor is at Austin P. R.J. Brunson is still in the portal. Michael Mason is still in the portal. And Jimmy Wyrick the quarterback, is uncommitted as a grad transfer as well. So um, for VMI, I mentioned the, the guys that did commit. Jack Cawson's still out there. Leroy Thomas is still out there. Uh, Samford still has Nathan Barham, Jalen Parks, DeAndre Williams. And Jalen Henderson, the running back, entered on April 18th. Jacob Walker of Mercer entered on Saturday, running back. Uh, Reed Brass uh, is in the portal also Brandon Marshall Jr. running back out of Mercer is in the transfer portal Nasir Howell who started out as a wide receiver at North Dakota State transferred to Chattanooga converted to defensive back he is back in the portal uh, as of uh, March Ty Gossett quarterback is in the portal at Chattanooga and so is Tyler Walker wide receiver who entered in November still has not found a home okay and there, there were way more. Uh, yeah, there VMI. were. Yeah, like that's right. A lot yeah, of depth yeah, guys from Bmi yeah. Western Carolina. Like Western Carolina right. had, I think, three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks. Yeah, so, like, they had like nine last year. One, two, three, four. Five quarterbacks entered the portal: Davis, Bryson Grabowski, uh, Parrish Metzger, Samuel Cornett, and who did number one, two, th- uh, uh Casein Linky. So
2: a lot of a lot of guys uh, in football as well. There's more just numbers game right there's more football than basketball in the portal but there are plenty of people in each sport that is still trying to find a home and slots starting to fill up so we'll see how this goes and right now talking to some other southern conference schools basically it's a game where all the guys in a portal just live in a world where they're going to go bigger and at some point those slots are filling up and it's going to be tough, and so I'll be curious to see
0: I will when say, does the
2: power shift, and then all of a sudden 24 guys are fighting for two spots at a Southern Conference school as opposed to right now, you know, well, oh, I've
0: got 24 schools on me. Now you've got one left, and you better hope they take you. I will say I am surprised at the number of players that have gone in in the spring. I thought that would be more of a um, like a competition thing, like, hey, I'm not going to play, so there's going to be two or three guys that go in the portal, and it has been aggressive. From all levels. Like, Michigan State had a quarterback go in not that long ago. Uh, There's been several guys. I mean, obviously Colorado is what Colorado is. That's a whole other mess. Um, And and I believe one of the guys that um, Deion Sanders brought in as a transfer last winter has already hit the portal and is leaving again. And will probably get to play right away because... Well, he used the one-time transfer, but he didn't play any games. He didn't play a season of eligibility. Um, he just he transferred in for a semester. It's like, this isn't working. Transfer out. Uh, it's just constant turnover. That's not going to go well at Colorado this year, and probably not next year when they play uh, a little team called North Dakota State. Might not go well. Um, and and they, I think they open with TCU and Nebraska this year. So that's not going to go super great either. Uh, But, yeah, I've been surprised at the amount of churn that's happened in the portal in the spring. I thought this would be a lot more subdued uh, and and a lot fewer guys going in and impact guys going in than we've seen so far.
2: And I still contend in the next couple years, two years from now, it will be less messy because of all the extra years with the COVID will finally be gone. And yes. it's and, and it slowly transitioned out. I think next year um, will be a little light because there were guys that came in in COVID that just aren't playing anymore. Right. Um, so I think next year will be a little lighter. And the year after that, I think we'll finally kind of settle in
0: on what – trying to figure out what a normal number is going to be. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think even then it might take a year or two after that. Because right now, I think there's
2: still – those guys are still taking spots. You know, there's just a lot of uh, so uh, I do think it will come down some. What that'll look like, I, I don't know. But if you take even let's say in basketball, it's a you know a safe number. Let's say there's two per six seven hundred guys next year. Right now, there's probably fourteen hundred guys that are getting extra COVID year. Now yeah. you're talking, and this is a probably still an underestimate. Six seven hundred more. If there's two per team, three and six top ten, I'm just doing short math. Six, seven hundred, then those go away. So right now you're talking about that's 1,900 players with extra years this year, next year, whatever. Those start to go away. So I think that's going to turn it down. I'm not very good at math, but I feel like it's going to be toned down some. And will the NCAA still stick with the fast rule, the hard rule of one-time transfer, no exceptions? We're not giving any waivers because if they start to give waivers, then I think that opens up again. And then it doesn't matter about text year because then you can just go whenever you please. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. And, again, I'm all for is there a special circumstance that somebody could get something? Sure. I I, I think you should always be open to that. But how many of those are they given? You know, is it do do three players a year get the extra deal and nobody else gets it, or yeah. is it slowly do what happened last mm-hmm. time, which was, well, we give it to these ten guys, and now that grew to a hundred, and then it grew to a thousand, and it was like, you know what, let's just do it one time. So, we'll see how it plays
0: out. Uh, what we got going on this week? Just watching. This week is just uh, baseball in Stillwater. Uh, softball is at Mercer is hosting Mercer for their final home series of the year. And I would imagine this would probably be a good week to do, like, one of those week of champions type things, like just celebrate all of the spring sports champions that ETSU's produce produced. Lalo Bakadarova is the tennis player of the year. Women's tennis, Dimitri Vodra, three-time men's tennis player of the year. And Matt Zegi won the uh, SOCON individual men's golf championship. So we'll know tonight
2: where tennises are going. Wednesday, yes. when over men's golf is going. Yes. So we will probably at some point Thursday have an update for that. We'll probably give you an update on whatever portal stuff we can find out. Maybe we'll get a special guest. Um, so a lot going on. Uh, it's a little bit slow as far as a, you know, three, four-time uh, podcast, but we'll get you at least uh, caught up on Thursday, especially on the tennises and golf. That's what we'll talk to you next.
0: Buckethead's right hour. Oh, you got to be kidding me.